0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from The Karen Hunter Show on SiriusXM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. So, let me welcome to the show. She is the only, I think the only, America's only dual virologist, virologist, and fertility doctor. One, two. Let me welcome Dr. Cindy Duke to The Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Hi, how are you? Happy Wednesday. Yes, well, it's Wellness (laughs) Wednesday. Yes, and thanks for coming in. All right. Let's take, take us all the way back. Dr. Cindy, where are you from and
1: what inspired you to become a doctor? You know, I grew up in the Caribbean. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. I'm actually from the smaller Island Tobago. Most people know about Trinidad, but I'm from Tobago and I wanted to be a doctor for as long as I remember. And when I was Seven, going on eight years old. I met my first black woman doctor and I fell in love with her. And from then on I was destined, I think, because I couldn't see any myself doing anything else. And that's who I am now. Now, were you, were you visiting this doctor
0: like as, as a patient? And then you were like, Hey, what is, what's happening? She's black.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I actually went to see her with my mom. So my mom had gone to her. I think my mom went to get sick leave. (laughs) (laughs) and i was just fascinated and i don't know that i really recognized that she was black i just know she looked like me like i don't know that i knew it was a color (laughs) right because i just when you you talk about trinidad and tobago
0: you're you're talking about you know black-led country black people
1: you know you're seeing black people do amazing things yes Yes. It was, it was more than I was seeing someone, but it was the first woman that I had met who was a doctor. She was also from my part of the Island. We're from the very rural part of the Island. And so it's also somebody that my mom knew and they were having the conversation. She was sounding like us talking with the accent, you know, and, um, <laughs> and she let me listen to my own heart with her stethoscope. And I think that was what sealed the deal. Hearing my own heart was fascinating. So, fast forward, you go to medical school.
0: Virology, mm-hmm. which is more, yes. you know, science in the lab with the, mm-hmm. you know,
1: looking under the, and then fertility. <laughs> yes. Do they go together? You know, they do. But most people didn't realize that, which is why I'm now the only, because I I, I I like to say that I think fate was preparing me for a time like this. And so I went to medical school to become a physician scientist. So I applied to medical school to do an MD, which is the medical degree and a PhD. Um, and then during the course of my first year of medical school, discovered that there's this whole world of viruses and HIV and all this stuff that people really aren't studying but impacting women and women's health around the world in so many different ways. Um, I also started realizing that viruses play a big role in miscarriages. They play a big role in birth defects. They play major roles in so many different aspects of reproduction and human health, not to mention immunity, as we see here with um, the uh, pandemic. But that was what brought me to that interest. And yes, every time I told people what I was doing, they'll say, how are you going to use that? Are you going to be an infectious disease doctor? And I'll say, no, I'm going to be an OB-GYN who then subspecializes into reproductive endocrine and infertility. And they'd all say, I don't see how it'll work. Um, And Of course, I saw it because virology means you talk about gene therapy as well. There are just so many applications to it and also so many more educational opportunities for letting people know that these very primitive uh, particles that are part of the planet's existence from the moment it started are a key part of our own genetic makeup, but also are critical to our survival and also taking us out in mass numbers really quickly, hence the term going viral, even when we talk about social media. Mm. Viruses can replicate fast and they can cause damage in unprecedented numbers faster than even bacteria.
0: What do you know about this virus, the novel coronavirus that we don't, that, that is not being talked about. But you're like, why aren't Mm -hmm. they talking about this? Why aren't they talking about this as it relates to
1: this Mm COVID-19? Well, I think one thing that people don't know is that the SARS-CoV-2 is literally version two of a coronavirus that first circulated in this world back in 2003. And so many people aren't aware of that and aren't aware that we have known that Viruses were going to become the emerging infectious disease crisis point around the world as far back as 2003. And to be quite honest, since 9 11, one of the primary targets that we knew could be a potential chaotic outbreak for the world would be if viruses were released or became rampant. Now, I'm not saying this virus was created, it was not. This is a virus that is naturally occurring within the animal kingdom, but it actually It's coming to us at a point when we need to consider a lot of things in our human existence. The truth is we have not been the best stewards of our planet. We've been encroaching on the spaces of our wildlife all over the world, which meant we're coming into more and more contact with animals that are harboring or reservoirs for viruses that we haven't yet been exposed to in terms of our immune system, our um, ravaging of the planet, this uh, wanton just disregard of many things when it comes to waterways, et cetera, we're starting to see the impact. And that's what viruses directly mean for us. But also viruses mean miscarriages. Viruses mean uh, loss of humanity's future propagation. And in the time of the world where we're not making as many babies as we were 50 to 100 years ago, this is a major, major thing that we have to think about is what is our role? Americans aren't. Africa's populating
0: is it, <laughs> Africa's population is their part shout out to yes. Nigeria and Ghana Amen. Uh, largest yes. yeah they they're having babies uh
1: Dr. they're Cindy, the fifth most populous in the world yes
0: yeah. uh Dr. Cindy Duke is here uh as you as you talk about the virus and immunity i I'm, a lot of people are like why don't you have people on to talk about how we could just build our immune system instead of taking the vaccine Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk more about building up the immune system? Duh, 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 duh. Why don't you bring on Gary? Noel, who I love, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like, you know, it's like homeostasis. Can we get to a place of balance yes. first? And we can start Exactly. Support. Like <laughs> this thing is so talk. So how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I feel strongly that you should be building up your immune system at all times, eat healthy, exercise, et cetera. But I also have to tell you it's not an either or it's an and it's, eating healthy, taking care of yourself, and getting vaccinated. The truth is, vaccines are necessary to actually stop this virus from propagating and stop it from killing us in the rate it is. Just to give people an example, you know it's scary, HIV, that virus that scares all of us? From the time HIV was discovered up until now, about 750,000 Americans have died from HIV total over 35 years. That's it. Karen, we've lost 750,000 Americans to COVID in the last two years, less than two years.
0: You know, but the difference, mm, I don't even say the difference. I, I feel like I, you know, you have to do something, either blood transfusion or have some sort of sex with somebody or, you know, exchange blood mm-hmm. to, to get HIV. COVID is
1: airborne it's airborne, which is why we need to be vaccinated, right? So if people are scared of HIV, why aren't they scared of what can happen when you don't even have to be in direct proximity to someone? You just have to be within air shot of them, so to speak, emphasis on AI ear. AIR, but I think the other reason why I brought up the HIV example is we are doing a much better job in reaching our communities, especially communities of color, talking about HIV and the risk of HIV than we are about talking about the risk that COVID poses and the fact that we're dying in unprecedented numbers. But if we were not to think about the ones who are dying, we're also disabling our communities in unprecedented numbers, right? The number of people who are surviving COVID but surviving with disability, surviving with brain fog, surviving with erectile dysfunction, because yes, the virus causes erectile dysfunction, right? There are people surviving, but they've lost their pregnancy. They've lost their baby. We need to talk about this and be real. And the vaccine prevents all of that. The other thing is the scare tactic being used, which is things like, oh, the vaccines are too new, et cetera. They're not new in the context of the science and the design and the fact that they've been studied for over 10 years including mRNA vaccine technology. And we have to acknowledge that too. Some would say uh, this is a scare tactic. I'm just... Telling
0: you what I hear and mm-hmm. what I see. Mm-hmm. And, and and let me just mm-hmm. say, the vast majority of people are vaccinated. And today, yes. um, I was talking to one of my partners, one of my narrative partners, and his little girl just got vaccinated. And he was so happy. And and her arm hurts. So her Which mom was like, yeah, do you <laughs> want to stay home? She was like, no, I have a math test today. So eight years old, she's, you know, <laughs> and he was so proud. Yeah, shout out to it. little Elizabeth. Um, more than 30, three million uh, children have been vaccinated uh, since yes. two weeks ago. Uh, the effort between the ages of five and 11. The White House uh, mm-hmm. has encouraged that. Uh, so, you know, so here we are. And and yet there's a very loud contingence of people, uh, you know, contingency mm-hmm. of, of folk who are still, you know, I talked yesterday yeah. about Rock Dunbar. What's his name? Rock D- Dunbar, the actor who, mm-hmm. um, like, he left that 911 series, that steady paycheck, because he's like, I can't get an exemption and I'm not getting vaccinated yeah. for religious mm-hmm. reasons. Listen, everybody has a choice. um, But Mm -hmm. if you can talk a little bit since you're a virologist, uh, Dr. Cindy, uh, about what this virus actually does, how does it operate so that we can kind Mm -hmm. of like in our minds, eye, figure out how we actually are fighting it.
1: Well, let me tell people this first and foremost. Whenever your body encounters a virus that it's never seen before, it takes your immune system 10 to 14 days to actually figure out what's happening to it and to adapt and learn how to clear the virus. The thing about SARS-CoV-2 is within 72 hours of becoming infected, it actually leads to your immune response, which is trying to figure this out, trying to overwhelm itself to clear the virus but not effectively. And at the same time, the virus has gone viral, pun intended, which is whenever a viral particle gets into a cell, its sole purpose is to get in and make as much of itself, which we call replication, as possible. And then that cell bursts, opens, and all of those new virus spread out to go to more cells. And so within a matter of 24 hours, you have uh, m- just millions and millions of the virus now circulating in your blood, and you're immune response because it doesn't know the specifics of this virus. It's trying to learn, but you're innate or primitive side of the immune system is starting to respond, saying, let me see if I can hold it down until the special forces come in and take care of this. But it takes 10 to 14 days for special forces to come in. So in the meantime, your lungs get overwhelmed, your heart gets overwhelmed, your kidneys can get overwhelmed. And this is what's landing people in the hospital, landing people needing oxygen to help them breathe, needing dialysis for their acute kidney failure. And so vaccine is something where you show, I call it a snapshot, right? So it's almost like sending someone um, a Snapchat, a quick picture of, hey, this is what the face of this virus looks like, which is called the spike protein. If you see this, you need to know how to be prepared, learn its face, Target it so that the next time you see it, you clear it before it spreads around everywhere, right? And so that's what the vaccine does for you. So could natural infection do that, Uh, meaning infected with the virus? Yes, but it takes you 14 days. And that's why many people aren't surviving. By the time your immune system has figured out what to do, your organs have become overwhelmed and you're really sick by that point. And so that's the purpose of vaccine. For those who say, oh, but vaccine slash immunization, which is one and the same, they're just two different words for the same thing. Vaccination is not causing some synthetic immune response. The truth is whether your immune system is responding to the vaccine or an infection, that is your natural response. In fact, with the vaccine, you can mount a more what we call specific response without having to also figure out how to keep your organs healthy. And that's why vaccines work so well. It's why they protect so many people so that the next time when you see the real thing, you can clear it really quickly you don't make the millions and millions of viral particles that you spread to other people simply because you're breathing. And so you're not only protecting yourself from getting extremely sick, but you're protecting other people from contracting big amounts of the virus, which can overwhelm them even faster.
0: 866-801-825. doctor Cindy is here. Dr. Cindy M. Duke. You can follow her at DR Cindy M Duke on the Twitters. Let's talk a little fertility. Uh, when yes, we, come back, we have a doctor in the house, Dr. Cindy M Duke, who is the only virologist and fertility doctor in America. Uh, we had a bunch of questions. Tanya has some questions. We're going to go to her and then we'll get to the callers. 866-801-8255. Tanya Pinkins. Hey, thank you okay. so much, Karen. Um, Dr. Duke, my first question, you were talking
1: about fertility. I'd like to know a little more about vaginal strep infections. Mm-hmm. What's- so yeah. you. The yeah. truth to know is that our vagina, our mouth, our rectum actually is colonized and our intestines are colonized by bacteria and our skin. It's called our microbiome. And so there are multiple bacteria that are, for example, in the vagina, but they have to be at a certain balance to maintain what we call the pH of the vagina. And so the predominant bacteria that's supposed to be in the vagina is known as lactobacillus. And lactobacillus is really what helps the maintain the vaginal pH in what we call an acidic range. Um, And sometimes, whether it be due to foods we're eating, depending on the frequency of if you're taking antibiotics for certain infections or if you ended up being exposed, perhaps, you know, during the course of say a sexual encounter, you're using toys or somebody did something in one other part of your body and then came there without, you know, good hygiene, they can introduce new bacteria from other parts of your body to there as well. And so people can end up with a shift in their vaginal pH, which would allow certain bacteria to overgrow strep is one that can happen. Um, Some people are naturally colonized with strep. In fact, there's a special type of strep we call group B streptococcus, and that is one that we hone in on. It's known as GBS, group B streptococcus, during pregnancy because If someone is colonized with group B streptococcus and during the course of labor, their baby stays around in the vaginal, the birth canal long enough, they can become exposed to it. And group B streptococcus can actually cause really bad lung infection, bad eye infection, and it can cause sepsis in newborns. And prior to its discovery, it was one of the leading causes of death and or cerebral palsy if they survive due to the inflammation in children. And so this is why we test moms now. It is standard of care to test for Group B streptococcus. And if a woman showed up in labor, she's to be started on penicillin, special antibiotic, before her water breaks. And if her water breaks, started right away. And that is to prevent the baby from being exposed to this bacteria that historically has been quite deadly and has been a leading cause of um, morbidity, which is bad outcomes in babies, especially amongst women of color. And it's not that women of color have more group B strep, it's because they weren't being offered antibiotics or screened. And so, you know, the American College of OBGYNs re- requires that everyone get this screening. We also encourage patients to know their GBS status. So let's say, for example, you're traveling for Thanksgiving, you're visiting grandma in another state, and your water breaks or you go into labor early. You can tell that clinic, hey, I'm GBS, that hospital, you're GBS positive, because it may take them a while to get your records, especially over the holiday, but your baby that you're about to deliver needs that antibiotic to give it the best shot at survival without complication from that infection. So that's my answer for you Tanya. So how do we treat this even if we're not pregnant? How do we treat this thing yeah. so that Like I said, many people are colonized. About 40% of women have group B strep in their vagina. It's more if you have an overgrowth again. So it's really more about keeping your vaginal microbiome healthy. So eating healthy diets, making sure you're aware of all the healthy foods to eat. Because in so much as I'm talking about the vagina, we are what we eat, our overall circulating um, nutrients, et cetera are in our bloodstream, and they go to every part of the body, including the vagina. Also practicing certain hygiene practices. So for example, we encourage people after intercourse to go pee, right? That is encouraged. Certainly, if you're going to be engaging in practices that requires, you know, things going in different places at the same time, maybe the vagina should be first.
0: (laughs) Hello as opposed Hello. to last yes, yes. what the <laughs> why don't we know that why don't we know that we we're taught to wipe front to back somehow exactly. anyway i just this yes. is uh, yes. just a thought thank you,
1: okay. thank you. Did,
0: did you have another question tanya before i go to well,
1: i was on your website and i wanted to know also about um polycystic ovarian syndrome Yes. I like that you asked that. So polycystic ovary syndrome conservatively is a hormonal disorder that actually impacts, we think at least 10 to 12% of people born with ovaries. Why do I say we think? Most of the studies on polycystic ovary syndrome historically were conducted on people of white heritage. In fact, the criteria for diagnosing PCOS are named after the city where the criteria were developed, which is Rotterdam um, in the Netherlands. And what we're starting to see, for example, in studies being done in parts of the Caribbean where you have more Afro um, heritage and Indo heritage people, meaning people coming from East India or Southeast um, Asia, we're seeing higher rates of PCOS, but PCOS is really one of those conditions that can affect every system in your body. It can certainly impact the reproductive system because some people actually would have difficulty releasing an egg. And so they can struggle to conceive, but for others, it may impact their weight. For others, it may impact their metabolic symptoms. So it can lead to something called insulin resistance, which is the number one leading risk factor for developing type 2 Diabetes. And so it's really important to identify it, to diagnose it. You know, we saw Kiki Palmer come out last year talking about the fact that she was missed in her diagnosis for over 10 years. And that's because not enough clinicians are trained on the diversity of the spectrum of the presentation for PCOS. So stereotypically, PCOS is presented as somebody who's heavyset, overweight, has acne problems, excess hair growth, and also has troubles with their periods. But which happens, it happens and about, but only about 30% of people with PCOS fit that exact picture. The others are gonna have either normal skin, no hair problems, others are gonna be very lean, very skinny. And so in Kiki's case, she said she was told over and over, you know, I'm, you're slim, you can't have PCOS. But the truth is the majority of people with PCOS don't struggle with their weight. They have other things going on. And so it's important for us to learn all of that. What's the test? So the test actually one is your history, right? It means someone literally needs to take time to sit with you and ask you about your history. What about your periods? Do you have a history of irregular periods? So even if you no longer have periods or even if your periods are now currently regular, do you have a history of irregular periods? Do you have a history of excess or unwanted hair growing on your face or your chest or mm-hmm. your back or your lower abdomen, upper inner thigh? The truth is we have to ask patients that because many people aren't going to walk around super hairy these days. They're getting laser therapy, electrolysis, et cetera. And so we need to ask them that. And then lastly, on ultrasound, we can also look for evidence of polycystic appearing ovaries, recognizing, Tanya, that not everybody whose ovaries have a polycystic appearance have the syndrome. And so again, someone needs to be an expert at really deciphering all of that and making sure they're not inadvertently ruling people in, which is usually if the person has weight problems, they just say, oh yeah, you have PCOS, which there are many people who are overweight for other reasons. And then similarly, as in Kiki Palmer's case, being told you don't have it because you're skinny. But the truth is weight has nothing to do with being diagnosed. It's getting a careful history about periods, about hair growth, about acne. Um, And again, this is acne, not just on the face, but acne on the chest the back, Mm. the lower abdomen, or the upper inner thigh. So there are people who've never had acne on the face, but they suffer from acne. right? They're having to go get facials on their back, et cetera, because they just have this acne problem. That might be a sign of PCOS. Great, great question. Thank Thank you, you. Tanya. Uh, Let's go to Tracy in California.
0: I'm gonna try to get to everybody. Tracy, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on with Dr. Cindy Duke. Tanya Pinkins is here. Hi.
2: Hello, Karen. Hello, um, uh, Dr. Duke. Um, Karen, I just wanted to say um, I'm an unvaccinated person. Um, I do have hesitancy in getting the vaccine, even though I don't consider myself an anti-vaxxer by any means. Um, but I wanted to say this, listening to the doctor speak, this is the type of medical professional that should be out front explaining this vaccine and this virus to our community. The way that she just explained how the vaccine works, that's the best explanation that I've ever heard since the vaccines were produced.
0: Well, uh, thank you, Dr. Duke for that. And thank you, uh, Tracy. (laughs) Uh, Did it change your mind?
2: You know, uh, somewhat. I'm 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 leaning a little more towards the opposite direction now.
0: Listen, um, uh, I appreciate th- your your transparency and listen, everything we do here is in love. I want everybody to be healthy, wealthy and wise. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to mm-hmm. to survive mm-hmm. this thing called life. And you know, I, I I get the hesitancy. I I was one of the, mm-hmm. the hesitant you people. Too uh you know and we, we we black so we we gonna be hesitant yes. of the, y'all what what is this let somebody say i'm gonna wait till all the white people take it all right they came into <laughs> our neighborhoods to get the vaccine they but, did you know, they absolutely this, did you know this this is something that you know we, if we can avoid it let's do it so i really thank you because it was a very clear explanation let me try to get uh mystique in as well mystique welcome to the karen hunter show you're on with dr cindy duke
3: tanya pinkins is here hi Hello, good afternoon, Karen, uh, hey. Tanya, and Dr. Duke. Thank hey. you so much for this discussion. Um, I had a question. My husband got his vaccine uh, back in March because he was, thought he was gonna be going back to work in New York City. So he got it before myself and the two oldest children who were eligible at the time. And he's a type O uh, blood type. And after his second shot, he seemed, you know, okay. He, was, he didn't really have much like symptoms or anything. But after myself, and I'm a type uh, A, B blood, and all the kids are some combination of A, A, B, you know, they, they took it from me. And so after myself and the oldest two kids um, were able to get our second shot, the next day we were, like, laid up in the bed. Not, not too bad. We were kind of tired, had a little headache, a little achy. And then the second day after that, we were kind of back to normal. But um, – we have other children, the youngest just turned five, so when we take the others to get their second shot, we're going to take her to get hers as well. But I was curious mm-hmm. if you knew of anything about people with different blood types reacting differently either to the mm-hmm. vaccine or to the virus itself, because my yeah. husband, he seemed to be totally fine after his shot and the rest of us <laughs> responded differently.
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. So I would tell you early on in the pandemic, there was a study coming out of Wuhan, China that suggested that different blood types had different responses in terms of severity of disease progression, meaning developing COVID-19, following infection with SARS-CoV-2. Those studies have since been debunked in terms of in larger data sets because obviously since the outbreak in China, millions and millions of other people have since become infected And we now know that the distribution is the same, but what you were just describing was actually classic, how your immune system responds. And so different people will see different responses. So here's the thing, Karen, that most people don't know. Your immune cells are produced in your bone marrow, in your big bones, right? So your thigh bone, your upper arm bone, that's where your immune cells are made, all of your immune cells. And then they go out and they circulate in your bloodstream and make antibodies, et cetera. But they actually travel via your lymphatic system. So I'm setting the stage here for something. So if you've got your vaccine, right, and you get the shot in your arm, that's where your immune cells are recruited through your lymphatic system, which is why you get swelling in the local space because the lymphatic tissue, the fluid has to come in to bring those cells to recognize, hey, what's going on? You know, in the Caribbean, we call it the nosy neighbor. That's what your initial immune response is, is a nosy neighbor saying, hey, something just came into the arm. Let's go it." It out. So they come via the lymphatic system, hence the local swelling and the warming up or the heat to the touch in the area, because that's how your lymphatics travel. We kept the doctor around. Dr. Duke is here, Dr. Cindy M. Duke,
0: and she's a virologist and a fertility doctor, the only one in the country with the dual specialty. Also, we're talking COVID, uh, and an estimated 100,000 Americans have died, not from COVID, but from drug overdoses in one year, mm-hmm. connected they say to COVID, to the pandemic, more more mm-hmm. dangerous drug supply. Overdose deaths have been rising for more than two decades, of course, because of opioids, which now are, you know, it's a health crisis when when it was cracked with something else, but I digress um, deaths jumped thirty percent last year, uh and President Biden called it a tragic milestone hundred thousand people dead um and uh it's it 's a problem fentanyl. Uh, The illicit drug supply and the COVID-19 pandemic has been a toxic brew for a lot of people being depressed as well, sometimes Mm -hmm. medicating because of the isolation. Um, We don't talk enough about that, but mental health is super important. Uh, But also how the drug industry has kind of uh, dangled that in front of doctors. They've become the pusher man in many ways, pushing things on patients that they don't need and doses that Mm -hmm. are, are harmful that make people addicted. Uh, What do you (laughs) see in your practice, Dr. Duke, regarding this?
1: Well certainly in my practice I don't really prescribe narcotics much but I think I happened to be trained right at the time when we were recognizing the impact that big pharma was having in the narcotics industry and of course we all saw what happened with Purdue Pharma which was the the company that made OxyContin which is a very very strong form of morphine um but I would tell you that it really is a a crisis, and I agree with you. It's sad that the crack epidemic was not seen as an epidemic, which is a health and a public health issue. It was seen as lawlessness and people who are have a predilection to doing that. Whereas now we're rightfully recognizing the opioid epidemic as a health crisis. Um, similar things happen with marijuana, but now that marijuana is becoming a financial uh, windfall for certain groups, it's it's cool. Um, But when before it was, you know, you send people away for 30 plus years, but I would tell you this, um, yes, the opioid deaths have gone up because of, you know, people being Depressed people being disenfranchised, or you know, we're talking about the great resignation, which in fact is really only speaking about a certain class of people. Again, the people who are at the lower uh rungs of the income ladder aren't resigning in any mass amounts, they're yeah. still not making enough money to survive. They're still working two, three, four jobs to keep roofs over their heads, keep food on their table, keep their kids fed healthy enough to go to school. And so, I think many times when we start talking, Talking about these things, we neglect the groups that are hardest harmed, the groups that are the frontliners. You know, your frontliners aren't the ones doing this great resignation right now. And I think we need to talk about that. It's the people who've historically had mobility, the people who were able to up and leave New York City and go to someplace that was less populated so that they could work remotely and now realize they have options that's the sort of thing we're seeing. And I think that's the side to the narrative that we see many of our colleagues and media pushing that we need to highlight the great resignation sounds like a fun thing and people being empowered, but these are actually people who are already empowered, who are resigning Mm. most of them. You
0: got to say that Dr. Duke is here. Dr. Cindy M. Duke is where you (laughs) can follow her. We're going to get back to your vaccination breakdown, but since, since we have you and, and you're talking, you know, you're, you're singing, singing to the choir here and we love, we love what we're hearing. You know, I wanted to spend a little time in that space and I just want to make one Mm -hmm. distinction. Crack was a government, um, not, not fabrication because of course it existed, but the promulgation of it was willful and the Mm -hmm. scheduling of it as a more dangerous drug than cocaine, Mm -hmm. which it is Mm -hmm. derived from was also political and was also on Mm -hmm. purpose and that it was flooding into our black people in particular our community was also was coordinated hopeful, which is why mm-hmm. it's it was always it was designed to be a criminally uh, inducing or you know or, you, mm-hmm. you know drug mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to what this is with the opioid crisis a health uh, pandemic or health, health ep- epidemic uh so there's that uh, so so let's get back to your explanation because you, you were going cuz you know we all yes, you know we all vaccine. had the sore arm <laughs> I couldn't reconcile yes. in my brain why is my arm sore from this thing mm-hmm. going in it? Uh, I've had shots system. before. Okay, yes. so so break That's and your immune st- st- system back coming
1: into investigate. All right, so t- I'm, I'm gonna crack you up, Karen. That was the your body's Karens coming to find out. No, no, no,
0: no, before. no, no. We <laughs> we do not. We don't do that on this show. You gonna call
1: her Becky? You gonna call her Amy? Yes,
0: <laughs> Becky. Who was
1: your Becky. So it was your body's immune system, though, coming in to check out this new new kid on the block, which is the shot you got in the arm. And then those cells immediately make special hormones that we call cytokines that go to the brain and say, hey, there's an invader, raise the temperature, we want to burn them out. Hence the reason why some people get a fever after their vaccine. That is an expected immune response, not a side effect as people think. Also, many people start talking about bone pain. Oh my God, I had Bone aches. I couldn't walk. I was laid up for a day. That also is expected because your immune system is amplifying the cells that have to come learn what this is, the cells that are going to have the memory going forward. They're produced in your bone marrow and hence the bone pain and the body aches. So it's not that they gave you COVID when they gave you the vaccine. The pain is your immune system. So, like, I got my shot and I had some pain. I was like, yes, there goes my immune system. It's doing its thing. Um, I didn't have a fever, but my mom had a fever. And also to Troy, the first person who called, I get hesitancy. You know, my mom and I were eligible for vaccine at the same time in December, 2020. I got my first shot in December. My mom didn't get her shot until March because she wanted to see if I survived. (laughs) She wanted to see how I did before she decided. So I understand. I get it and it's happening even within our own families. So if we're not getting
0: fevers, if we're not which I didn't if we're not getting mm-hmm. the bone it's okay it, too. No does more. that mean that something's mm-hmm. not being activated though?
1: No, 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 no. It means different people first of all, we have different pain thresholds, right? Some of us you pin, you prick us with a pin and we're going to scream bloody murder because our nerves react and respond to that different from another person who can get slashed with a knife and will never even feel pain and so we do have different sensory responses to things and that's part of it so you know your brain may get the signal and says yeah We're going to warm up, but we're not going to be febrile. We're not going to spike a full fever. Yeah, we're going to activate the bone marrow, but Karen can handle bone pain a little bit. So she's not going to feel uncomfortable until she's, you know, something bigger hits her. And that's okay. It doesn't mean your vaccine didn't work. It doesn't mean someone else. Did a better job. Similarly, I know there are people out there now getting their antibodies tested. So the thing about viral infections is antibodies are part of the immune response, but antibodies don't actually mean protection. It's your T cells, the real soldiers, that have to come look for an infected cell and clear it. And so whether you have a hundred antibodies and I have fifty-five doesn't mean you have more protection than I do. It just means you churn out more protein than I do, but it doesn't translate we have no test right now that translates into one person being more protected than another person because in terms of testing for antibodies because unless that virus is
0: present you don't know whether or not the soldiers are gonna you know so they, they exactly. have no reason to be happens. raging
1: unless yes. there's something present to rage against and that's exactly they go quiet they actually go back to barracks and they relax until it's wartime. When it's wartime, then they'll amplify and they'll get out there and they'll take care of the infection if it comes again. That's my question. So is that what a, cy- what's the cytokine storm? What's that? Yes. So cytokine storm, that's that hormone, that chemical that your immune cells make to start talking to other cells because hormones are your body's messengers, right? That's the whole purpose of hormones in our body is to travel around in our blood and our lymphatic system to go tell other things. It's basically our telephone line. That is how we send messages. It's our SMS texting system. That's your cytokines. And so you you have cytokine release because those are your cells sending an SOS. The problem is the virus is overcoming and overwhelming all your cells. So they're all making cytokines. And then your body is confused by that. It gets overwhelmed, too much lymphatic, which is the, the, the fluid that brings your immune cells, flood into your lungs, which is why they describe COVID and now particularly Delta virus as feeling as if you're drowning because that lymphatic fluid rushes in to your lungs because your immune system is like, oh my God, the lungs have sent a call for help. We got to get there to help. And it overdoes
0: it. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, on mm-hmm. that, the booster. So how, yeah.
1: how do you know if you need the booster? Mm-hmm. You don't, know, well, we if, recommend boosters. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So the truth is one of the things is while a lot of people are vaccinated, not enough people are vaccinated. So it's a virus that transmits as quickly, particularly as Delta viruses. And let's be clear, even the new variants that are coming up now are derived from Delta viruses. told you that Delta is so effective it's now become the predominant circulating variant or version of the virus because it's so effective at getting into people and making itself quickly. And so boosters are necessary to remind your system that the threat is still very much present and stay woke right? That's what a booster is. It's to say to those cells that usually go back to the barracks to say, hey, I don't need you in barracks yet. I need you to sort of still patrol the streets. You don't need to be going into houses and kicking down doors, but I need you to be out here patrolling streets, right? And so that's what your booster does. It says, hey, stay woke, stay present because this thing is around, especially this one. And that's why even if you had an infection, we recommend a booster. And that's because we recognize, and there are multiple studies now that show that even if someone was infected, meaning not vaccine, and then they get exposed again, they're two times more likely to develop COVID than someone who was vaccinated and then got exposed. And so this is why, we're why is that? So remember, if you're sick, not only are you trying to mount a response and remember the thing that's attacking you you're trying to save your heart your lungs your brain etc so you may not mount as big a response and a specific response as you would with a vaccine where you're otherwise healthy and you're targeting this one this one snapshot of the enemy and so the booster in someone who's been infected previously is to come in and say, hey, okay, I know you generated a response to all the parts of this thing, the head, the face, the eye, etc but I need you to focus in on the face, which is the spike protein, because that's the thing, if you recognize it, we're going to win. And so boosting with the um, shot in someone who's been previously infected is very helpful. And this has been proven even in pregnant persons. So we know that if someone who is pregnant had been exposed to the virus and then went ahead and got a booster or a vaccine, they actually mount a double immune response in terms of the amount of the antibodies that you see the amount of antibodies you see in breast milk which is important for baby's gut health because guess what karen and tanya you can contract covid not just by breathing it in but by ingesting it in your mucosal system hmm.
0: all right all right uh let's take some calls dr duke has giving us all of the information uh keith in cincinnati's been holding on cincinnati ohio welcome Hey, Keith. hey, how you
2: doing, Karen?
0: Good.
2: Uh, and doctor. Uh, Hi, Keith. Karen, you, you are a marvelous uh, person, and, and I really enjoy your show. Thank you. And Dr. Duke, uh, you are a genius in terms of how you explain and give uh, clarity to, uh, to what's going on. My question is this, is it or has there been any studies that you know of that deal with uh, looking at the oscillatory frequency of the virus and other diseases such that once you know that, you can simply destroy it the, the way Ella Fitzgerald broke the glass in the Memorex
3: commercial.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I saw that commercial, but I, I do think I follow were, the question. Were you raised in um, Trinidad and Tobago? Yes, I moved to the United States formally at 817. We did visit annually before that, but I don't know how old you are.
0: But I think this was in the 70s or 80s. She would be like, do do we? And then she would hit this note. And is it live (laughs) or memorex? Ella Fitzgerald would hit this note and then the glass would shatter. And it was it was amazing.
1: (laughs) i love that. Uh, But Mm -hmm. tell us tell us without the yeah. So I would tell you, as with any virus, it depends on how much of the virus you're exposed to at the time. It's called viral load, right? So if you imagine there being 100 particles of a virus versus a million particles, if two of us are in a room, but one of us is breathing faster, one of us is going to inhale more virus, even though we're in the same room with the Hmm. same number. And so that's part of why we talk about pregnant persons being at higher risk. The truth is when you're pregnant, because your belly is growing and the baby's taking up space, you take more breaths. Per minute while you're pregnant. It's called higher ventilation rate. And so a pregnant person is more likely, and same for children, children breathe faster than we do in every minute. And so they're taking in more virus. So it's really what we call the viral load or what you're exposed to, to put it into that oscillation frequency um, analogy is how much virus are you exposed to? And then once you're infected, how much virus are you making and for how long? And so if you think of that commercial then if she's singing as she gets to the higher octaves she breaks the glass well the same thing happens if your immune system isn't ready if it's not ready to be specific the virus gets to make more of itself right so it gets to get to a higher octave so that you are breathing out more particles spreading it to more people and also getting sicker so that's the breaking glass part is the more virus you take in the faster it can multiply itself the faster it can get to a higher number but also the faster you can make other people sick which is why stadiums
0: and get mm-hmm. large gatherings church mm-hmm. um which people are, you know with the holidays you know we're mm-hmm. seeing cause so so the possibility with the greater number of people yes and what, that's about, really gy- what about gyms cuz i'm yeah i'm struggling you know, I, I go to the we gym see i go breaks in, at gyms like, yeah i'm mm-hmm. like in there nobody has on a mask with me yeah. and i'm like Is a ventilation system. So I'm looking, is this being (laughs) circulated? You know, all
1: of that, right? Some people are putting too much trust in ventilation systems and filtration systems, you know? So I have gone to gyms, a few gyms. I've kept my mask on the whole time. I recognize that there are people out there, they feel like a flush of heat and they think, oh my gosh, I'm not breathing, I'm gonna drop dead. I can tell you as a surgeon, I wear masks for eight, 10 hours a day at a time. I've never dropped dead in the operating room. I think my brain function is pretty spot on despite wearing masks for extended periods of time so you're not losing brain cells you're not getting dumber because i've heard people say that as part of the myths out there or kids aren't learning because of masks. that's not true air exchange is happening with a mask on and the truth is if you're at the gym you should wear your mask you shouldn't presume that everyone out there is telling the truth about their vaccine status either as we saw with aaron rogers people will tell you what they need to tell you um, until you discover they weren't telling the truth about their vaccine status. What are the monoclonal antibodies? Since you were talking about viral mm-hmm. modes, I thought they had something yes. to do with it. Mm-hmm. So monoclonal antibodies really is making proteins that recognize that spike of the virus so that if they see it in your blood, they'll bind it and prevent it from attaching to your cell. So that's what spike protein is, right? If you think of spike protein, so the virus being the first half of Teflon and your cell being the other half of Teflon, spike protein is what causes it to stick, the Teflon. And so if you put something between the two pieces of Teflon, you know, Teflon doesn't stick, right? That's what your monoclonal antibody is. It's the thing that's going to go between the virus circulating in your blood and between your cells and keep that virus from sticking to your cells. So that's what monoclonal antibodies are. Here's the thing. Monoclonal antibodies are expensive. They do require special storage. They're very effective. But what we are seeing is it also has to be in your system early, which is why we tell people if you think you were exposed and haven't uh, signs of infection early on, go get checked out and get your monoclonals. Now, if somebody was adequately vaccinated, they're going to make their own massive pool of antibodies, Tanya, which is polyclonal antibodies, even better. Um, So mono means one, poly means just a variety. So again, if you're vaccinated, you're doing yourself a bigger favor than waiting to rely on monoclonal antibodies, which requires specific timing and you have to be in the right place where they have it. We know they've been, the Biden administration has made it more available and he's literally deployed DHS to be part of that health and human services to make sure it's equitably distributed. Cause what we're seeing in many States is it's available. It's available to certain communities and other communities are being told we don't have enough. So mm. Thank you. The booster. And I'm going to welcome in uh, somebody at
0: Walgreens who could uh, uh, definitely give us some insight as well. Uh, She's the group vice president of pharmacy operations and services at Walgreens. Let me welcome the one and only Rina Shah to the class. This is a class today. Hi, everyone. Thank you so
4: much for having
0: me. Hey, Dr. Duke is putting on a master class. All right. So the booster shot. Dr. Duke first. Is it the exact same thing that you're getting if you did the uh, MNRA, uh, Pfizer or Moderna? Is it the same? Is it a third dose of that? Or is it something different?
1: So actually for some people, it's, it's a half dose right? Um, So let me just be clear. If you're someone who is immunocompromised, meaning your immune system at baseline isn't as strong or isn't as fully at its full mass capacity as it would be if you weren't, say, on chemotherapy, on certain medications to suppress it, you may not mount a strong enough response after two doses of the mRNA vaccine. So in your case, you need a third- full dose that is not a booster you're actually getting a third dose because it takes you three doses to be fully immunized so that's the first thing to explain if you're immunocompromised say you've had mm, a kidney transplant for example etc you need three doses to be considered fully vaccinated with the mrna vaccine that's the first thing to be clear on but if you are immunocompetent meaning we have no reason to think you're immunocompromised and you did mrna vaccines then you would have gotten your two shots and be considered fully vaccinated but because the threat is still very much present you need a booster and so you can either be boosted with the same vaccine that you got before but half a dose Or you can mix, right? And the data supporting mixing is actually really good, Karen. So like I am getting my booster and I got Pfizer for dose one and dose two, and I'm electing to get Moderna for my booster. My mom got Johnson and Johnson, and I've also recommended she get Moderna. But for my friends who got the Moderna dose one and dose two, I've recommended they go ahead and consider the Pfizer or the J&J vaccine for and booster. And I'm just going to add one
4: piece to that is yes. that um, the dosing for Pfizer, I think it's because um, since um, I live in pharmacy and mm-hmm. all we do is dosing mm-hmm. and calculations that way. so. Um, for Pfizer, it's actually the same. It's the same. For the booster, it's the same mm-hmm. full dose for Pfizer. And for mm-hmm. Moderna, it's half the dose. But our pharmacists are trained. They know exactly mm-hmm. what you should get based on which vaccine booster mm-hmm. you're getting. And so um, there are a, a couple of nuances, but exactly to what Dr. Duke mentioned, you know, um, if you are immunocompetent and it's been six months for an mRNA vaccine series that you've completed six months. Since then your second dose. you're So you've completed your second dose. So for me, for example, I have no risk factors of, you know, like like you had mentioned, a transplant or chemotherapy mm-hmm. or any sort of risk of being immunocompromised. And I finished my second dose in May. And so that means six months post that I can get a booster. Now I received the Moderna I can get the Moderna vaccine, which I am going to get, but, you know, or you can get the Pfizer vaccine, either one, whichever one that's available to you, you can get that. And then the pharmacist or nurse practitioner or physician that's administering it will ensure you get the right dose for that booster. So if you come in and request,
0: can, so I got Moderna. I'm not messing with Pfizer for a lot of reasons, but it's not because, <laughs> understood. It's, you know, it's like, but, you know, some people could come in and request Pfizer and then you're going to give them a full Pfizer dose. Is that, is that what I'm hearing?
4: Yeah. So that's with the, the Pfizer, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, Dr. no sorry. I was just saying, yes, that's the
0: booster.
4: That's the booster. That's right. That's the booster dose. And so you would just get the booster dose, which is the same volume that you'd get with the initial series. And with the Moderna, it's half. And that's what they've tested. They've tested. What does it take in order for you to get fully boosted? And stay, your immunity levels stay up, and that's where we end up.
0: All right. Uh, Rena Shah, this is a very important question. You're uh, vice president, group vice, vice president of pharmacy operations and services at Walgreens. Are the, are the uh, vaccines marked black and white? Do you know, d- do you give out vaccines based on race? Is it marked on the vaccine? Is there a special vaccine for black people? Is a special, I'm asking this question for a friend, Tanya. Don't look at me like that because you know the rumor out there is that yes. they're doing something mm-hmm. to black people. So then, therefore, the pharmacist would have to know, Up, oh, this one's for the black people.
4: Yeah, you know what? I'm so glad you asked. There is no sort of ability or no sort of data that shows one vaccine is better or worse for certain background, may it be ethnicity, may it be color. I'm Indian. So there isn't a a brown vaccine. There isn't a black vaccine. There isn't a Caucasian vaccine. So no, there isn't any sort of racial divide on any of the vaccine that's there and nothing's going to happen that's different than any other population. And so um, it is my responsibility. Um, I have so many family members that were hesitant. They were like, I don't trust that the vaccine was made in a way that is gonna protect me. And so we've had to have conversations, like real conversations of why do you believe that? And I don't want you to be in the hospital. That's That's what I want, I don't want you to die. And so I can tell you that if you get vaccinated, your risk of dying goes down, your risk of hospitalizations go down, but there isn't anything where we're testing out in a population because that's what's happened in the past. So you have to dispel what has occurred in the past, so that we can get to the future. But you are spot on, Karen. There is no sort of difference between, you know, vaccine
1: and um, ethnicity, minority groups, anything of the sort. I don't know if we have enough time, but it's also important to know that when the pharmacists are reconstituting the vaccine, meaning they receive it frozen, and they put it together so that they can draw it up, each vial has about six doses, but the pharmacist isn't seeing who's about to get that dose, so they don't know whether it's going to white people or black people or anything, they're simply putting it together, and then it goes out and then different people show up. So like on the day I got my vaccines from the same vial, there were white people there, Indian, Asian people getting the same vaccine as I got, just so people know this
4: too. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. You know, like it's definitely done in separate type of processes. And, um, you know, there is no indication of like, that doesn't come into a factor of which vaccine someone would receive.
0: I mean, and, and yeah, I just I want to deal with the hesitancy a lot because you know every time you mention a company because I follow the stock market, I'm like, far, far, uh, big pharma's winning, you know, <laughs> um, and and you know, Doctor Doctor Duke, you mentioned big pharma with the opioid crisis because we just talked about this as well and their mm-hmm. and their role in it. How do we get people from, you know, being skeptical about, you know, Moderna Mm -hmm. and Pfizer in particular, you know, and J&J, which has been, you know, now it had to split a company because they've been sued. Do you know what I'm saying? It it makes it difficult as well. Like, is this a money play? How do we how
1: do we suss Mm -hmm. this out? Yeah. I think the first step is acknowledging the history, right? I think if we act like the history is unreal, that leads to more skepticism. So we acknowledge the history, but we also acknowledge the fact that we've actually put a lot of things in place to hold these companies responsible. Like actually seeing J&J split is a sign that the system is working and they were held accountable that now they have to split. That Purdue Pharma had to claim bankruptcy because they were held responsible. But that's, said there was also tremendous oversight when it came to the development of these vaccines. And these vaccines were not developed by any one country. They were not tested in any one country. So they couldn't fudge the data, right? So Pfizer vaccine, for example, was tested across six different countries, including every ethnic group um, that we can think of, including Native Americans. And so we actually have data. This is one of the first times in history that Mm -hmm. vaccines have such a broad, testing platform. They were also tested on tens and tens of thousands of people. So we're not talking about small groups of people. When people say, oh, vaccines usually take 10 years to test, it takes that long because it takes forever to recruit people. With Mm -hmm. a pandemic, with people seeing people dying in unprecedented numbers, being on lockdown, being trapped at home, lots of people around the world volunteered to be part of these studies. And so it was what we call powered to actually detect the differences that we see. So they're not made up and it's not up to the companies. And that's why we have the FDA. I'll be honest, as I close, I looked at the data myself before I decided to take the vaccine. As somebody who's designed vaccines myself, who's tested vaccines myself, who's had vaccine candidates go into clinical trial, I looked for myself before I decided I would take the shot. Love it. Uh, craziest
0: thing you've seen thus far, Rena Shah, in the Walgreens uh, during this pandemic giving out uh, the vaccine. What's been the oddest uh, question or strangest thing you've seen?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, one, I'd have to say that our pharmacists, so our Walgreens pharmacists across the country and our technicians have administered now over 45 million vaccinations. And so I'll start off with, The best thing I've seen, and then I'll get into the craziest, the best thing I've seen is at the very beginning of the pandemic, we were going into long-term care facilities because that's who was dying, you know, immediately, pretty much, you were seeing a slope, and after the second, like after the first dose, in between the first dose and the second dose, our pharmacists and technicians were going into these facilities, and they were getting hugs from people because they weren't seeing the deaths that they were seeing every week after getting the vaccine. I mean, it was, there were tears in people's eyes just because you're like, you saved my grandparents, you've saved my loved ones. I haven't been able to hug someone. So that's been the best thing I've seen, like people just so excited about it. Um, the craziest thing I've seen is that at the very beginning, people were hungry to get the vaccine. And so there was a lot of, hey, I will pay you if i can get a dose of the vaccine how can i skip the line how can i do this and you know we've really had to i never thought that you know we i would be you know so in like i'd be you know in the front of the line to go get concert tickets go get you know different things to get a vaccine and and we had to say a timeout you know uh you know let's get the most vulnerable ones to get their vaccine first Mm -hmm. and then um, make sure that we're supporting our communities appropriately but um, it's been really great to see the impact, you know, that the vaccine does. And our team members have made, you know, over the last, I would say, uh, 18 months, which has been a long 18 months, I can I, tell you. I
0: can imagine. Um, I, when I started seeing people outside of the community come into the community to get to jump the line, I was like, all right, yep. y'all, stop, stop playing. <laughs> we we had That's to indeed. actually,
4: you're spot on. We actually had to change our protocol because our stores. There were individuals that were not from the community coming in, and we were purposeful in looking at, you know, ensuring we had equitable access to care, high, you know, like underserved communities. We wanted to ensure that there was vaccine there, so we actually set it up so that um, we would have clinics only for certain, like in community centers that only community leaders can really control who could come in and who can leave, Mm -hmm. and so that we set up a safe environment so those in the community get the vaccine first. And then, you know, and then the rest we, you know, managed appropriately.
0: Uh, Rena Shaw is here, of course. Uh, Dr. Duke, thank you for your time and sticking around as well. I just have one final question. And, Tanya, of course, uh, you can ask whatever. Um, The booster, can you go anywhere or do you have to go? Because I got my Moderna in South Carolina, my first shot, in, in another state. And then I got my second shot in Jersey. And maybe I'll get my booster in Panama. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Maybe I'll go someplace else to get the booster. What What are your thoughts uh, in terms of if I got it at CVS? Do I need to stay at CVS, or can I go get a booster at Walgreens?
4: Yeah, you know what? Great question. You can go anywhere where there's a vaccine available, as long as you're eligible. You can go online. It's actually very easy. My um, husband was telling me how like easy it is. You can just go on, and he was actually impressed at how easy it was. And so um, you can go on, be able to like, just say what dose, when you received it, and then schedule an appointment for a vaccine booster. And you can call 1-800-Walgreens too. So I have family members that are like, I'm not gonna go online, it's too complicated. If you call 1-800-Walgreens, you're able to do the exact same thing and schedule a dose wherever it's available. Um, And we definitely recommend getting an appointment only because it saves you time and then it ensures that you have all the paperwork and everything done in advance. Um, you don't have to, you know, sit there waiting in any way, shape or form.
0: So you're, you know, pretty much in and out. All right. And I have, I have another question cause I'm, I'm greedy. Um, The, the, the singles. All right. So uh, I was just telling Dr. Carr that my uh, relative gave me chicken pox a couple of years ago and uh, I'd never had it. And I was really mad yeah. because you know, I'm not, I'm it's- not young. And I'm like, I can't believe I got, I got, what is this in the middle of my forehead? I was pissed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Now, mm -hmm. um, there's all of this talk. My mother just got the shingle shot. She and her husband. I'm like, do I need to get the shingle shot? Now I just had chicken pox a couple of years ago. I don't have chicken pox antibodies or the shingles warriors. My
1: shingle warriors are not. So shingles is a different type of virus, right? Shingles actually belongs to the herpes family of viruses. Most people don't know that because it's named different, but there are over eight different herpes viruses. We've named the first two, herpes one, herpes two. The others, we gave different names. We called one EBV, which causes mono. We called another one CMV or cytomegalovirus, also causes mono. And we called one chickenpox, which causes chicken pox in younger people, but shingles in older people. Herpes viruses actually stay in your immune system. They stay within your body for the rest of your life. They don't go away completely. So whereas COVID, SARS-CoV-2, we can effectively clear it from the body in the vast majority of people, The chicken pox or shingle actually would hang around and hangs around in nerve cells in the home of the nerve, the nucleus. It stays there by itself. It doesn't integrate into your DNA, but it stays in the nucleus, just hanging around until you feel stressed, until your body gets stressed for some reason. It might be that you're just having a stressful life, which is why people get cold sores when they're stressed. That's type one herpes. It's why if you're getting older and your immune system is aging or what we call immune senescence it may forget how to control shingles and what? shingles will come down those nerves start hold on hold
0: on should i be looking yes. for this family member that gave me chicken pox because i had none of this <laughs> <laughs> and i was like yeah. i teach at a school with international yeah. students i never had any of this yeah and then you come so, to my house because i'm gracious and give me and then leave with the Damn getting pop. it
1: suggests that your immune system needed wasn't fully boosted right which is why you probably were exposed when you were younger you had protection but yeah as we age right your immune system kind of forgets that picture i talked about that's supposed to tell it to stay woke for this thing and so it can end up with the barracks being near empty of the things that remember what it looks like so getting your shingle shot is really a booster and so you should get it, at, especially at a certain age. The same thing goes for all your other vaccines, like your measles, your mumps, your rubella, your tetanus shot. It's to keep right. reminding the immune system right. to stay "Oh, so well, <laughs> do I have to so
0: get after the shingles?" fifty, yeah, that's yes. recommended, even though I had chickenpox f- two years ago. Yeah, we
1: recommend it just to yeah. be sure. Remember, I just talked about boosting the people right. who, even if they had the COVID infection, what if, wait, wait, just hold on, hold remind us. What if I wear
0: a mask and stay away from people? Do I still not Uh the same? You know what?
4: This one's different. Yeah. Yeah. This one's a little different. It's different than respiratory. So you're Mm going to have to, your own body will have to fight off any sort of exactly Mm -hmm. to Dr. Duke's point. And so, um, it is the best thing you can do is get vaccinated because to get a full blown dose of shingles, it is just
1: oh, not. painful.
0: All right. Yeah, all right. Damn it. it. So, wait. Can and, I get the. <laughs> so, what is the
1: vaccine for shingles doing if you already got the shingles in you because you mm-hmm. had chicken pox when you were a it's, child? What is the vaccine doing? It's to doing? remind your immune system to keep it checked. Right, it's to remind your immune system. Hey, this thing is even if you've seen it before, is to say this thing is hanging out in your nucleus, and if you get stressed, it's gonna try to deform you. <laughs> so, stay cool. <laughs> if just if just that's active, oh, it gets active, for
0: yeah. jack up. All right, <laughs> yeah, all right. Let me, you know. let me, let me, let me, let me ask this. Okay, so can you get the shingle shot, the pneumonia shot, the the flu shot, and the booster all in the same day? You can okay, get. Yes, you, you can. can. Get-
4: vaccinated you just want to get them if you can get them on separate arms so that like so that it doesn't you're not pumping up everything in one arm it it might you might get some side effects but it is recommended that if you have an opportunity Mm -hmm. and like for example flu and covid everyone asks about flu and covid should i get both of them what if something happens and it's like, yep, definitely got to just separate the arm. So it doesn't, you're not like hurting. I'm not muscular in any way. I haven't worked out in a long time. And so I know that it's going to hurt. So I'd rather just separate that out. And so,
1: um, definitely get vaccinated if you can. Mm -hmm. And for people who aren't sure, we've been giving multiple vaccines on the same day forever, right? Kids, many kids get multiple vaccines. And also if you've ever traveled to certain countries in the world, you actually have to go in and get all those shots in your butt and your arm before you Mm -hmm. get on your plane and enjoy yourself. So it's not new. It's not weird. We've been doing this for a long time all right I'm it's take- such
4: a good point our kids get multiple vaccines all the time and for some mm-hmm. reason when it comes to us we're thinking oh <laughs> i don't know if we should but you know it's really good to be protected it's the best thing you can do
0: maybe we need a vaccine to remind our brains
1: yeah I- well Is brains will be offering that one day mm-hmm. yeah. yeah because it's <laughs> you know facts- going to
0: sleep Fun fact. Yeah.
1: We're developing vaccines for Alzheimer's using similar technology to actually teach yeah. the brain how to recognize early Alzheimer's and clear it. So it's coming, Karen. You're very forward thinking. I'm it's talking coming. about the the people who, d- anyway, the, the level of ignorance, there <laughs> needs to be a
0: vaccine for that because it's killing us literally. Uh, this has been uh, enlightening. Both of you yes. are amazing. Uh, check out Walgreens at Walgreens because they are doing the work there. Rena Shah, I want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you so
4: much for having you. me. Uh,
0: Walgreens, you can follow them there. And uh, Dr. Duke, uh, you'll come back, right? You're going to be part of this I would love down. to. All right. Yes, Dr- I'd love to. Thank
3: you so much.
0: Dr. Cindy M. Duke, you can follow her on the Twitters as well.